What's up and welcome to Difficulty Class, a show where we gather around this podcast table in your ears and talk about some Dungeons and Dragons. Each week, we or a listener like you writing into difficultyclass at gmail.com come up with a topic, question, encounter, or anything else somehow related to RPGs and have some fun talking about them. I am one of your hosts, Allie Deitchman, and with me this week is... Trevor Bettis. That's right. So, let's get into our topics for this week, yeah? Yeah, because we don't have any BS to put at the beginning. <laughs> yeah, that's it. This is it. This, <laughs> this is, is it. But, yeah, if you're looking for anything else, nah, sorry. <laughs> um, yeah, th- this is a, a couple episodes now have been just kind of uh, spur of the moment. Like, oh, I kind of want to talk about this, which I kind of mm-hmm. feel is cool. Um, instead of it's like, this is the topic that we've been wanting to talk about for so long. <laughs> <laughs> it's a conversational yeah. show. We're here to be conversational. Yeah. Um, and this came up, uh, because of a, uh, an article or a blog that was written about the identify spell mm-hmm. that you, that you sent. Um, and it got me thinking on several things, but first and foremost, let's talk about the identify spell in general. Oh Yeah. Um, this is a, this is a very this is a spell that a lot of people have either very strong or very meh feelings on. True, yeah. There's no in between. <laughs> um, so what do, do you have the spell up? Yeah, you want me to go through it? Yeah, why don't you why don't you give us a little rundown? Yeah, so first of all, it's a level one divination spell. Uh, nearly all of the the studious. Uh, Spellcasters can do it. So you got the artificer, bard, fighter, you know, and the rogue of the arcane trister and eldritch knight, and then the wizard, naturally. Um, and then My certain bad. clerics can do it too, like the forge and knowledge one. Um, it is a ritual. It has a casting time of one minute, which means if you're casting a ritual, it's going to take you 11 minutes. Mm-hmm. And it has a range of touch. Wait, does it get, is that how rituals work? They just add on time? Yeah. Oh, I thought it was... Oh, all right. Well, I, it's nobody like, casts rituals in my group, so I don't know. It's like <laughs> 10 times or something like that. I don't know. That's a question I'll, for Spencer. I'll be honest. Uh, you you all in the Strahd game were like, we're going to cast this ritually. And I just nodded my head and went, uh-huh. Sure. And anything you could have told me there, I just would have gone along with. Yeah, let's do that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the duration is instantaneous. So as soon as you finish casting the spell, you get all the effects. Uh, the effects that I am talking about. You choose one object that you must touch throughout the casting of the spell. If it is a magic item or some other magic imbued object, you learn its properties and how to use them, whether it requires attunement to use, and how many charges it has, if any. You learn whether any spells are affecting the item and what they are. If the item was created by a spell, you learn which spell created it. If you instead touch a creature throughout the casting, you learn what spells, if any, are currently affecting it. So that's that's the identify spell. Essentially, yeah. you touch something for a minute uh, for a first level spell slot and you learn literally the handout that comes with the item. Yeah. And it's it's essentially well for mo- most of it is the identify scroll from Diablo. Like that's what it is. Uh, you, oh, I don't know. I can't look at this. Uh, I'll, okay, I'll use the scroll. Ding. You got the thing. Um, how do you feel about the identify spell? Because, like I said, there's either like they love it or meh. So, 
In my game, I find myself uh, referring to the abilities that my players have a lot. And uh, for example, because we don't have that particular type of rogue, everyone can do can drink a potion in a bonus action. That's fine by me. Yeah. Like if you were the type of rogue where you specifically gained a feature at X level to drink, use an item for a bonus action, then everyone would have to go back to an action. That being said, we have an artificer in our group. Uh, and he's very keen on specifically creating and identifying and going after magical items. Uh, and so one of the very first spells he ever chose was identify. Mm -hmm. And so because we have that in our group, um, I've kind of tailored the concept of how to identify magical items around the fact that someone in the party has that spell. Interesting. If no one had identify, I would probably do it totally different and i would probably just be like yeah here you go but <laughs> because we do have the identify spell on person and he actively uses it and chooses to use it not like he's like oh i have to identify these things he's like like ooh, i'm excited to see what this does mm -hmm. and he uses identify on like the things i don't expect him to use and so i end up just kind of being <laughs> like um i don't know if this demon book is magical uh technically I mean, it, it's ink is invisible. Is it just invisible ink or is it magical? <laughs> You're making me ask a lot of questions that I don't know the answer to. So I'm just going to guess. And he's like, that's not the answer, though. It's, it's supposed to be a for sure thing. I'm like, well, that's what you're going to get. <laughs> yep. So uh, him using identify quite often puts me in a spot where I'm like, you know what? I never thought about this kind of Adam before. And personally, I like the identify spell. I also have a personal... Uh, <laughs> I have a, I have a mini story about it because way back okay. when, when we first started playing 5e and we didn't even know how to play 5e, I, I mentioned this before, my wizard knew Eldritch Blast because it was just part of the arcane deck of spells, right? Yep. Yep. Um, at that time there was this magical curse going around, uh, and little did I know, uh, <laughs> Pathfinder 2 would come out with the exact same spell as this curse that was happening throughout the the uh, land of my mm -hmm. friend's homebrew land. But uh, essentially, if you touched a person and tried to clean them or clear them of the spell, like, you know, remove curse, you then were cursed. And mm. So it would just be this terrible, just overall bad cycle. And so there was this moment where we didn't know if someone was cursed, cursed, or if they were just sick because there was also a plague happening. Mm-hmm. And so me, the wizard, I was going around identifying people and then the cleric had to do remove curse on the person if they were cursed and then remove curse on me and then remove curse on himself. <laughs> Jesus. And so I just remember going around identifying if people were being afflicted by like a certain spell or not, like yeah. for three days straight in game. Yeah, and how identify really kind of came in clutch there, and and weeding out the the problem children versus the not. <laughs> yeah, and so like I I have a personal soft spot for identify simply because I've used it in several games now at this point, and I've ran it now for four years in my regular home game, so I I definitely don't mind it. I'm not the DM to be like ah identify is useless. Don't bother choosing it as a spell. <laughs> if you choose it as a spell, I'm gonna in. I'm going to have that impact how the game plays, you know, it's, it's going to, it's going to affect how we roll in the game. Yeah. But that's me. <laughs> yeah. I'm, 
I'm very much in the meh camp on identify. Mm -hmm. I I don't think I think the only time I've had a player use it was at the bookstore games. Mm -hmm. Um, and I I oh so I used it so little I actually forgot about the whole it can tell you what spell is affecting someone thing. Yeah, that is really cool, and I actually think that is cooler than the item part because. Personally, I think the item part is is it the the whole like oh you don't know what it is it's not fun like if if we were in a situation like Diablo where items were dropping so often that you wanted to parse out you know how often people are switching uh, items. Mm -hmm. so like let's say you go through let, let's take diablo you go through your killing stuff you're getting greens you're getting uh um uh, blues all this stuff and then a then a, a orange or a yellow drops or something like that and you know that one could probably help them end the boss so you want to put like you want to make it a little more difficult it's like i'm not just instantly giving you a here's a win button if you were smart about the way that you used your identify spells, then you could uh, identify this, use it, beat the boss. Mm -hmm. Cool. That's not how D and D works. When if if I if the players find something magical, they are hyped then. And instead like what i what i do in my games is i have them roll an arcana check and it's not very high um so there's still a chance to fail um but i use it's usually pretty low they usually pass it and i tell them what it is um and they're like this is super cool i'm using it now everything is uh fun and so like we that's that's how my group does it and they have fun with it if i did have a group that wanted it more slow and crunchy and whatnot. But you also have to realize I don't give out magic items that often. Because yeah. um, <laughs> uh, that's the thing. Like, 5th edition isn't built to give out magic items all day, every day. Oh, no. Like, that was, that was a big thing. Like, in 4th edition, there was a magic item tax. If you... Were, if you were a certain level and you didn't have X amount of magic items, you may as well not even be playing because mm -hmm. you're going to get wrecked. And so that that was the whole point was to not have that happen. In fact, if you look at in the DMG, there is a chart of when players should get certain rarity of items. They're not supposed to get a plus one sword until like level 10. Yeah. That's the suggestion. Um obviously listeners of this know that I do not follow that. <laughs> yeah. But um but I also give out magic items very sparingly. And the other reason I really like doing it that way is um for story because if they just find magic item they use arcana, they know what it is, they start using it very cool. They find another magic item they get really high on the arcana and i say you don't know what it does that is a moment every i've had that moment and everyone goes oh oh what is this mm -hmm. and that sparks more intrigue than if i gave them a sword 
and I'm like, do you have an identify spell ready? Oh, I didn't ready that one today. Mm. Yeah. No, 100%, I get that. Uh, referencing back to me mentioning the demon book, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm not going to point out, like, where this demon book came from, but it's in my game, and... It was, like, supposed to be this whole, like, oh, there's, like, a clue here. Uh, and hilariously enough, the rogue was going to get it. Because, like, you open the book and it's blank. Except for a few drops of blood. Mm-hmm. In the background, my buddy Robert, he's like, oh, wait, do you have to bleed in it? And I'm over here like, yes, yes, you do. Ooh. That's the answer. And meanwhile, Spencer's like, hang on, but I'm going to identify it. And I'm like, uh, I mean... And then I have to stop and, like, think about, like, is this thing actually magical? And then I half stall for time because I'm arguing with myself. Do I actually want to give it up or do I want to, like, just tell him the answer? Although the rogue did get the answer right. <laughs> yeah. And so, like, at that but, moment. But see, that was the thing. that If the rogue had done that and then sliced his hand and put it on there and gotten the answer, that is a really cool story moment mm -hmm. that you would see in the movie. Or in a movie. <laughs> the movie. Yeah. You know, the one. Um, the movie. It, it, yeah, the movie. <laughs> Coming this fall, the movie. <laughs> um, and But, you know, you don't... There, there's not the dramatic scene where someone's just like, hang on, let me take out my spell book and cast this thing really quick. Oh, this is the big bad evil thing. Let me tell you everything there is to know about it. Mm -hmm. It's not as... It's not as thematic for me. Yeah. But, again, the whole knowing what the spell on the person is that one is so much cooler and i feel like people aren't focusing on that because or knowing what spell is affecting something mm -hmm. there's so many times that that could be so advantageous that people are just thinking about this as an item info dump when yeah, you come across a whole town of people who are uh, who are doing something really strange and you don't know what it is. And then the wizard's like, I'm going to cast Identify on one of them. Yeah. And the and the other thing is that does get pointed in the in the, in the article, which I am going to uh, bring up here in a moment. So we reference them um, it is it still takes a minute. So you can't use it in combat. I mean, you could, but you're insane. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, you're not insane. You're just chaotic. I try not to say that one. Anyhow. <laughs> there, there's a moment that Pathfinder lends itself to uh, be a little bit more on the better side of things with, with Identify. Because mm -hmm. in the midst of battle, you can identify what spells are going on and then you can like dispel from there. Um, so like... Yeah, and it's an arcana check, isn't it? Essentially. Um, yeah. So, like, hey, the bad guy has buffed himself up to the nines. Well, what spells has he buffed him up to? Well, you can identify said spells. And the idea of, like, this big boss room, right? And, like, this boss seems like, well, we can't touch him. Like, he, we literally, we try to swing a sword at him and nothing happens. It's like, okay, well, protect me while I go in there and touch him. Why? Because I'm going to mm -hmm. identify to see what's keeping us from hitting him. And yeah. it would be... I was I was telling Spencer over brunch. Um, <laughs> it would be so cool. The best time for D and D talk. Oh, I mean that's what we do. Uh, if it would be so cool if they took a page, so to speak, from Pathfinder two, and you could cast it at a higher level for advanced oh. things. Oh, like 
if you cast it at a fifth level and higher, it's no longer a minute, it's an action. Like, that kind of thing would be really neat. <laughs> well, like, even think about this. It's like, okay, um, you cast it at third level, um, and it's an action. You cast it at fifth level, it's ranged. Mm-hmm. Like that kind of concept where instead yeah. of like boosting the actual effect itself, you're changing it changes the, the way the spell works. Yeah. You're making it more powerful. Yeah. You're still affecting yeah. how powerful the spell is, but you're just doing it in a different way. Yeah. Yeah. Something like that could be really cool. That really could cool. change identify and make it worth it to learn at early levels, especially yeah. if you can cast it at later levels too. Like, Definitely. All, all the classes that could cast it would love to cast it at a later level. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the, the, the article uh, that you originally sent me about this topic is, is from ThinkDM. Mm -hmm. um, and it's uh, identifying magic items. And there's a lot of things um, in here. And like, I'm, I'm not going to read it verbatim and start arguing with it because I do not feel <laughs> the same way as this article. Um, but essentially... One of the things it's talking about is narrative opportunities. And I'm on the opposite end of that where I, I'm like, I think I have a different definition of what a narrative opportunity is than um, uh, some other people that run D&D. &D. Um, because my idea of narrative uh, opportunity is anything that moves the current story forward. Yeah. So if it doesn't currently move the narrative story forward. I don't care. Whatever. Just, it happens. It, like, again, the whole, if it's just a plus one sword that is not in any way connected to the villain, to the current location, to any form of plot, just roll an Archon check. Does mm -hmm. not matter. But if it is, and I want to build some mystery around it, and it's a super big, powerful magic item, I can do that Arcana check and give it an, a DC 30. Yeah. And granted, you know, you know, at the levels our players are at now, it's like, whatever, I'll do that in my sleep. Oh, yeah. We talked about we that had, the other day. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's a previous episode. Go, go back and listen to that one. Um, but I, I think a narrative opportunity of identifying something and not being able to, after you're able to identify so much other stuff, is a big moment. And so, so the, the, the thing that I wanted to bring up here that is connected to this is um, essentially what this comes down to is not telling the players something for the purpose of fun. I, I don't know how to end that sentence because all I can think of is just not telling the players something for reasons. Yeah. Um, because I've heard people with um, with as far as identifying stuff uh, like potions. Oh, you have to taste it and find out. And I'm like, okay, but like, why? <laughs> like, yeah, that's that that one always kind of like just I didn't make sense of that one personally because it's like, okay, well, if it's not like a good potion, it's gonna give up the the trick. You know, it's gonna give it up yeah. quick with no consequence. And so it's you might as well just told them what it was to begin with yeah and same with 
the good potions. It's like you taste it. Oh, that tastes like a healing potion. Okay. It's like you could have just told them it's a healing potion. You recognize it. Also, the other thing to point out here, detect magic is a thing and you can learn what school it's from. Uh, (laughs) I have a personal gripe with detect magic because they, they have that spell in existence and yet they refuse to put what spell, what, what school any magical item is. Yeah. I have to make that up all the time, but, but what I mean by games too, that's not just D and D. Yeah. What I mean by that is curses because I think honestly, I think curses is where most of this conversation gets pulled from because it's DMS wanting to, hide cursed items and they want it difficult for the players to find out that they're cursed. Yeah. The funny that thing is a thing. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Is that the identify spell doesn't tell you if it's cursed. Yeah. Which I think is ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. People argue it's like, no, the identify spell doesn't tell you if it's cursed or not. Then I'm like, then what's the point of knowing every single thing about an item? If it can't tell you the one thing you're searching for. <laughs> yeah. I don't understand that. <laughs> like, um, that's why I think Detect Magic is a better spell for it, because you would know that there's more than one school of magic on there, and if you spend enough time, it's like, oh, it's uh, it's got necromancy magic on it. It's like, that might be cursed. Mm-hmm. Um, and But but going back to the, the, the whole hiding things from players, you know, even past the curse thing, like, you know, the, the, some of the things I've heard about Identify is just like, oh, you know, it only tells them what it does, not how many spell, how many like you know um, points it has, or what's the what's the word I'm looking for here? The charges. The charges, yeah, yeah. It's not telling them how many charges it has or how many it's supposed to have. You're talking when about reach- when you're not using identify. Like, yeah. yeah, if you just roll the Arcana check, technically, according to the DMG, it's like you 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 learn how to use the item, but you don't technically learn like the magical word or how mm-hmm. many charges it has left or if it has any. Yeah. And like, I don't know. It, 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 for, for me, I'm like that. There's no narrative purpose to it. The only gameplay aspect there is to that is to be like give the player some kind of stress uh like like that 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 blog even talks about how some magic items when they run out of charges disintegrate yeah a lot of wands do yeah and i'm and i'm like well that doesn't feel very great hey that magic item that i uh just gave you two rooms ago and you've used twice it uh disintegrates yeah it's like, hey, how many times have you used that? Twice. Okay, I need you to roll a d20. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, there's there's an argument. It's like, oh, well, I mean, it uses resources when you think of the balance of the game. And it's like, well, no, not really, because the casting time is a minute. And in-game, there, when you're playing at a table, there's not much difference between one minute and 11 minutes, which is how long yeah. it takes to ritually cast something, which does not use... A spell slot, which does not Mm -hmm. use resources. And you could argue, well, it's using up time. It's really not. (laughs) You'd be like, okay, can I identify this thing? It's like, uh, sure, might as well take a short rest. Because you might as well. There's no there's no resource using when you're when you use the spell at all. Because there's no difference between one minute and ten minutes in technically when you're sitting at a table, unless you're literally playing it out minute by minute, there's no difference. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, and, and 
yeah that 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 is a that's a whole thing where it's just like it just becomes narrative but not narrative in an interesting way mm-hmm. where it, so so let, let this is still on the the topic of hiding things but like let's take it back to to the diablo thing in that was a huge thing in diablo 2 in diablo 3 you can just identify it Mm-hmm. Uh, the only reason the mechanic is there is because they were going to include identify scrolls and then very late into the project went screw that but they just kept the button there that you just click and it does it because they realize it's not fun <laughs> yeah um and hiding stuff from players and adding attacks onto getting to the cool thing just get to the cool thing just like you know, one of the, the things that I, I've said on here before is a Brandon Sanderson quote, which is "air on the side of awesome," mm-hmm. and I feel like that is a big thing when it comes to n- hiding mechanics from players. And personally, I, I think really there's two, three tangentially things that should be hidden from players mechanically: DCs, hit points. And um, abilities, but they'll figure it out as they go. Like yeah, same with the AC is. And... Yeah, that's why that's why I didn't put AC in there because they're, they're like, uh, all right, I got a twenty hits, I got a nineteen miss. All right, his AC is twenty. Like they're gonna <laughs> figure that out. Yeah. Um, it's not. It's not. You can't really hide that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like, and th- and this is going back to the discussion we had about skill checks with you know like not the player not seeing what they rolled and knowing and whatnot. I guess it adds something. There is bunny fingers there going on because <laughs> it's like it adds something. Sure. But I don't know if it adds anything that needs to be there. It mm-hmm. like tension, in my opinion, like the tension that I want in my games comes from the story, comes from the choices, comes from the things that are happening in response to the players tension as far as what they have and like what they can do and what they know about it's it's not as interesting for me yeah again like and this actually uh blew me away um on dungeon scrollers last week lauren urban front of the show uh host uh dm'd and i was watching some of it and she was like um i need a uh um arcana check from you dc 15 she told them the dc yeah it didn't affect anything no (laughs) it didn't affect the damn thing yeah a Um, lot of dms do that and it blows my mind whenever i hear it too (laughs) yeah and and like really coming down to it I don't think, like, even if I told them the DC, even if I told them the HP, which, by the way, in 4th edition, my players could do. They (laughs) had a magic item where they, first round of combat, uh, Bree would put her uh, eyeglass down, inspect the the thing. She knew it's max HP, it's AC, and it's vulnerabilities and weaknesses. And... It didn't change anything. They were still scared in combat because the freaking thing was dealing so much damage. And had and, like 500 health. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> Remember when we did that practice fourth edition game in 2019 yeah. and that Beholder had like a thousand yeah. HP? <laughs> Ridiculous. Get out of here. I love it. Um, like, like, think about it this way. Um, the reason I don't think 
hiding something from players is a big deal is board games. Mm-hmm. There are a few of few games uh, that spring to mind, like Descent or uh, um, Imperial Salt, which has a DM like person. Everyone at the table knows every mechanic. Everyone at the table knows what, like, if you're doing a cooperative uh, uh, game, like, say, uh, um, Elder Tor or something like that. Yeah. Everyone knows how hard it is to hit uh, an enemy, what the health is. Where and are the Doom almost, Trackers at? <laughs> yeah. And that almost adds this, like, Hitchcockian uh, level of tension because one of the things that, that Hitchcock taught was that if... Like, here's a good example of tension that he he was talking about. If there's a group of people sitting in a boardroom and they're all around the table and they're talking and then the table blows up and kills everyone in the room. That's just a thing that happened and Mm -hmm. it sucks for them, but that's what happened. If you want to build tension for the audience, and in this case, the audience being the players, because you know what's going on. You and you could actually have this tension too because I've done this. Uh, is uh, if you in the movie you show them all sitting at the table, the camera pans down and you see the ticking bomb under the table and you see it ticking down with every second as they're talking. And the audience is like, Oh, something has to happen, something has to come in. Their mind is reeling because they know what's about to happen and the people don't, right? That for me is greater tension in a game than not knowing a mechanic yeah i think the main problem because that's a fantastic example which leads into this is the concept of people fighting against meta knowledge so much yeah that they feel like they have to go onto that more side of realism in their games to fight meta knowledge and to fight knowing things already mm-hmm. like as a player versus character I mean, you, you've seen me in some games where I'm sitting at, at one side of the table freaking out because I'm like, I know what this is and I can't say it. And mm-hmm. this is terrifying. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, on the other hand, too, the uh, it, it's not the starter kit. It's the it's the second one. Um, essentials kit. Yeah, the essentials kit. They straight up have like item cards that yeah. tell you what the thing is yeah. and what it does. And because you're like a first time GM and you're supposed to be like learning how to play the game, it tells you just hand them out to the players mm-hmm. because you know what? It makes it easy and there's no consequence of keeping that information from them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't make the game better in that instance of withholding that information. And yeah, I a hundred percent get that. And like, there's been several times in my game where they will come across a item and I'll be like, yeah, you recognize this. You've seen it several times before. Like, mm-hmm. I'll just tell them. <laughs> and yeah. then like, if it's like a, something that's completely out of their depth from a different plane or something, or it's a legendary item, I'll be like, you don't know what this does. And so that's when Roland will bust out the spell and he'll do his thing. Or they'll be walking in a shop and it'll literally be a plaque saying all that this magical item does. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And there won't be any Scan question the about QR it. QR code. <laughs> yeah. There's no question about it, except when they go into the skeevy shop. That one, they did question everything. 
but you know. Oh, as they should. That's when you get fantastic magical items like the Dagger of Healing. It's mm-hmm. it's just, it's how you end up getting around things. And I think people are worried about the meta knowledge, which is why they don't like immediately hold, hold, giving out hold everything. On. I, I have new I have something new to bring to this table and it is about <laughs> identify it's still on the topic. Uh-huh. I pulled up the D D Beyond page and my eyes immediately got pulled to some parentheses. And it is an asterisk, which is next to the material. The materials are a pearl worth at least a hundred gold pieces and an owl feather. Mm-hmm. One of those things is not like the other. Um So the key thing here is that the pearl isn't consumed. Okay. Okay. That is good to know. I retract. How, so how do you tell that stuff? It will. Oh, spells it's, it'll will say, say if it's con- it will be consumed. I just upon assumed use. that everything was, was consumed on use. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's kind of like to use witch bolt. You need to use a stick that's been struck by lightning. <laughs> mm, that's fair. Okay. I retract. I track this because, but even then at first level, are you going to have a pearl worth 100 gold pieces? I know. Again, that's why I don't use material components, because they're they're wackadoo. That's a whole other very short topic of we don't do that. Yeah. Because <laughs> it's like, just, it's, I don't know. Actually, you know what? We we got time. Screw, uh, I, I love tangents. The freaking material components. <laughs> um, I love them in concept, but in game... It's it's again one of those like I think that I think the thing for me and this does tie into this whole conversation really because it is, is again the whole narrative thing like when I'm playing D and D with my friends I'm interested in the story and my players seem to be very interested in the story as well because they keep coming back each week right <laughs> um, and. The gaminess of it is fun in terms of what your character can do in both in and out of combat. And the material component part of it is cool in description of what you are doing. But when it comes to the purchasing of them, like, I'm sorry, does uh, is this area of Faerun have guano? Is that, is that a common? Yeah. Is that a common thing? I, I don't do, do they ship it around here? Like those are the questions I will start asking. So <laughs> it turns into the movie Cars for me. Why are there sidewalks? <laughs> so this is actually a huge uh, topic among a lot of DMs, and it's actually been covered extensively by Sly Flourish, the writer of the Lazy Dungeon Master. Love him. And he's written a whole article about. Um, <laughs> I think it's called something along the lines of the ancient and rare bronze bowl crafter (laughs) or something like that where essentially it's like there's a component for the spell that is very overpowered so to speak and so but it's a specific bowl okay he's like well there's your answer to nerf the spell a little bit they have to go find that component (laughs) and this guy only makes one bowl every 10 years and he lives up in the mountains and he doesn't like to be talked to. It's like you can use components in a story narrative way, but on the other hand, literally, mechanically, components just kind of get in the way for me. Mm-hmm. Um, 
there's a lot (laughs) i can't tell you how many times i've been paused in the middle of a game going how many hands do you have available to do this (laughs) (laughs) and i'm going oh i guess i'm not holding onto the ledge i'm like i guess not i don't know man (laughs) you tell me and so i i actually actually googled um Sly Flourish spell components. And what's what's really funny to me is uh it brought up a, a tweet reply that he that he did, and it mm-hmm. very much aligns with what I do. Um because there is a caveat to the whole like I don't like spell components things. And uh the question was players and DMs, do you uh keep track of ammunition and spell components? Mm-hmm. And Sly Flourish uh responded uh saying uh for big spells like Hero Feast. Yes, the costly ones. Yeah. That and and that's the same. Revivify, gotta have that diamond on you. Yeah. It's gonna get used. I mean um, a blanket statement for my group is that if it has a cost component that gets consumed, you have to have that. Otherwise, mm. I don't care about nothing. <laughs> well, see see the, see that one I get cause because uh, I think the guano for fireball gets consumed. Um and that one, I'm just like, eh, whatever, it's fireball. Um, like I think there, we also cer- say, like, third level and up. We don't care about the second level under. See, it's- this, is what, this is how I get confused, though, because I'm looking at fireball. It says a tiny ball of bat guano and sulfur, but it does not say it gets consumed. Nope, it doesn't. What's the point of it? I don't get it. <laughs> yeah. So that that is just literally pulled out of your components pouch or not at all when you use a focus. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, oh I I guess that is a good way to say it then. If it gets consumed, you have to have that pre- that makes sense. Yeah, because technically that's how materials are used in game. Uh you have your component pouch which literally is a bag full of all the random things you need for your spells specifically. Um, it does not have every single component because you do not know every single spell. Uh, Don't when, die. <laughs> yeah. When you have to prepare a spell, like as a druid or a cleric, uh, you pretty much prepare those components as well, which is why it takes you like an hour per spell or whatever have you technicality it is when you do a long rest. Um, okay. And the fun thing is, is that it's like, well, I just use a wand as a focus. Cool. You don't have to worry about that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Because your focus is where all the components come from. It's it's such a wonky mechanical specific thing to to conceive in the midst of like combat and everything. Yeah. And unless you're a group that like focuses on the on the nitpicking specifics like well i need to drop my sword and i need to draw this and that's going to be an action and there's my turn and then on my next turn i'm going to be able to do this it's like okay mm-hmm. well i'm going to drop my shield so that way i can do this and to don my shield is an action so the next turn i'll have to pick up my shield again and it's like you could be that group but i rarely have seen any groups actually to a t do those things yeah yeah and and i and i do want to say here like you may listen to me maybe sitting there disagreeing with everything that we're saying because that's not the way you and your group play that's fine that's mm-hmm. how you're having fun do it yeah freaking do it that is not my type of fun i wouldn't i i would respectfully decline a seat at the table because that's not the way that i have fun with the game i'm more interested in story or overarching story character development all of that stuff but if you are in for the crunchy number dungeon crawl keep track of every arrow every spell component 
awesome cool that's how you have your fun <laughs> yeah oh my god encumbrance oh jesus <laughs> yeah i mean like that's a fun thing to think about is how heavy is your component pouch <laughs> oh god yeah but that's a whole different thing but like D itself is the so far for me personally the only game where i personally disregard that concept entirely like a game that has higher action economy like pathfinder 2 where hey you get three to four actions a turn depending on what spells get put on you mm-hmm. it's like yeah i can afford to drop my shield and pick it up again because i have an action to do so and i'm not wasting my entire turn yeah and so i can actually do those things and plus there's a ton of feats that allow you to just skip those kind of concepts and it's actually beneficial taking those feats in that instance you, you, you could have ended that sentence as there's a lot of feats yeah i know uh. <laughs> but like that, that brings me back to what i originally initially said was if there's a feature or a feat or an ability that a player has i tend to ignore it until that comes up <laughs> Like if someone doesn't, if, if no one has an ability to like, oh, bonus, if, if no one has the ability to say it's a bonus action or a free action to don armor or what have you, everyone can just put on armor. It doesn't matter to me. Well, so, so here, here's a question about, especially specifically about the rogue bonus action one. Mm-hmm. There says they can use any item as a bonus action. Yeah. See, for me, I'd still leave it that, uh, the, uh, the other players could use a, uh, uh, healing potion as a bonus action it's everything else that still costs an action but mm-hmm. for the rogue they get the added bonus of that one because usually usually what i do in those situations is, is i try to make that player's thing cooler instead of backtracking what the other players have been doing because i mostly don't oh. want to get them confused <laughs> see i would never backtrack that's what i'm trying yeah. to say like if someone chose that rogue path i would have done that from the beginning Oh, because I, I knew what path that my rogue was going to take. I knew he wasn't going to be the thief. So I knew I was going to be fine. And that's why I was like, homebrew guys, let's just do this way. Yeah. Um, but if I knew that he was going to go that route, or if he even had interest in going that route, I would have been like, all right, let's, let's everyone, it's an action for like, as per usual <laughs> for drinking mm. the potions. Like, cause that just, it, it. I get it. I, it makes sense, but it's also just not necessarily as fun, especially when it's like you can say, oh, it's a bonus action to drink one yourself, but it's also an action to shove one down your friend's throat freaking, when they're at zero HP. Freaking, <laughs> I saw somebody ranting and raving about Critical Role using uh, bonus actions for healing potions. I'm like, y'all, their games are four hours long please do not give them a reason to make them longer please <laughs> don't forget their game the other night was just seven hours long so there you go oh my god <laughs> that's a finale for you though so i you know yeah you yeah <laughs> um yeah so so like a lot of this sounds like rules ignoring a lot of this sounds like i can see someone especially someone from old school D just being like ah oh, you're just bitching and complaining about stuff and i'm like yeah that might be but that's how a lot of people i know enjoy playing this game is the awesome side of it and not the punishing thing of just not knowing what's going on not having things uh not having things they can do in combat because it's like oh i got this really cool thing oh but i can't do it because of this oh i don't have i don't know what that is oh i'm not attuned to it because i didn't know i was supposed to be attuned to it It, like like anytime 
I can see someone getting like really happy and then me say something that just brings them down. I'm like, ah, well, ah. I mean, yeah, unless, unless it's one of their just, you know, freaking wild plans, then I'm going to shut them down. But if it's if it's a mechanical thing, one, I don't think it's going to do anything to just let them do certain things yeah i'm not saying you know just let them walk in and you know cast a billion fireballs on turn one like you're still keeping to the rules but as far as just hiding stuff for the purpose of hiding stuff eh. yeah eh. the the more i run games the more i find catching myself withholding things for no reason whatsoever because i think i have this subconscious idea that oh i'm supposed to do this for the balance of the game when in reality, it doesn't yeah. do anything for the game aside from just hiding it from my players. And yeah. if there's anything that you can get out of this conversation, it's reflect upon those moments. Yeah. Because there was an instant where just my last game, uh, my paladin was like, hey, can I uh, talk to my familiar? Because he can speak common and we can communicate telepathically. And I'm like thinking initially, oh, but it's telepathically like emotions and things like that, right? But then I kept reading into it and I'm like, it doesn't say anywhere that it's emotion-based telepathic link. Mm -hmm. It's just telepathically. So I had a moment of like saying no at first, but then I'm like, hang on, actually, yeah, fuck it. You can talk to each other as long as you're within 100 feet of each other in your mind mm -hmm. without anyone knowing. He's like sweet. And I'm like, just that, that one sweet, like really kind of yeah. made me realize, you know, what, I really should just give up the nose more often. And, it, and again, I'm, I'm going to, someone's thinking it, someone's thinking it, listen to this where they're just like, oh, you just want to please your friends. One, I don't have to do that. They think I'm fucking hilarious. I'm going to stick around no matter what. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but like, I, I legitimately remember like at one point, someone coming up with some wild idea and me just going fuck and they're like what i'm like everything in me is telling me to say no to you but that's so fucking cool yeah. <laughs> yeah. i'm pretty sure i let it happen i think the only um, time you've ever said like no to me doing something was simply because something i was going to do would one shot a big moment and take away from the story yeah and so I was and, like, and, ah, that's fair. Yeah. <laughs> I'll do this other thing instead. And it and it was that one time in all of our time of playing. Yeah. So. <laughs> um yeah, that that as as far as that goes, like if that sort of stuff works for your table, fantastic. It doesn't work for me or my table, so I don't do it. Um and you know, bring bring it all the way back around to the identify spell. I think there's a lot more interesting ways to use that spell than just an info dump. Yeah. An, an item info dump. Um, and I think it allows for more interesting opportunities as a DM because uh, there's situations where it's like, well, crap. Um, I don't know how to convey what is actually happening here to the players. Yeah. Um, because it might be magical or something like that. And if there was, like, say, a scroll, scroll of Identify or something like that that allowed them to cast it and learn about that magic, 
And then that was like a theme that spell, like you were saying with the curse sort of stuff that continuously going on, making identify an important thing, making, um, you know, spells being on things that people don't understand. That is a plot thread. You've yeah. made a plot thread. <laughs> One of my favorite things that I think we've done, if I'm remembering this right, was there was this moment where there was a portal to the Feywild that opened. Yes. And it, it was smack dab in the middle of where a city used to be. And there was like waves of energy rolling off and Roland had to detect magic so he could physically see the waves coming at him. And he's like, there's something really big heading that way. I'm like, all right. And so that's the kind of moment where if he had straight up like touched the ground and used identify because the magic was emanating that far, it's not a specific spell, but you could explain in very broad terms what's happening there yeah. in a very cool thematic way. Like yeah. in my world, there's spells, which are, you know, cataloged, written down there. You can buy them at the spell shop, but then there's also rituals which are harder to come by and that you can create yourself. Mm -hmm. And you can use identify to figure out if it's a ritual and like what it intended to do. Mm -hmm. And so if he used identify on the ground in that area, he would see that there was this large wave of like transportation energy and intent to move something. And yeah. it originated from the spot that you're heading to. Mm -hmm. And you know that it worked. <laughs> like, you wouldn't be able to get the exact specifics because that's just, you know, I'm just making this off the top of my head. But yeah. it makes for a more fun concept. And because Spencer's great, he's like, I accept that. Granted, there are players, if you try that kind of stuff, that will be like, no, Identify tells me everything. And I'm like, mm -hmm. mm, I don't know. <laughs> So I, I love using identify in a thematic sense, but you just got to make sure that your players are on board with that. Yeah. Um, that's kind of, I, I feel like I kind of, uh, I, I'm out of points for that one. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I feel like that is a, a good place to wrap up that topic. However, I have a listener question. <gasps> I listen to the show. I'm a listener. Because uh, I, I, this is a very tiny little thing uh, that I wanted to bring up here at the end because I heard about it and it made me think of something you did and I wanted to talk about really quickly on the show. Uh, wouldn't have made a full topic. Um, which is, so there was a TikTok I saw recently. I know, occasionally I see TikToks. I'm an old man. I don't understand. They get them. everywhere. It's okay. <laughs> they get everywhere. Yeah. My 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 best friend has started sending me them and I'm like, what is reality? Um <laughs> But it was a D and D TikTok, and it was uh, uh, I think it was a teacher, and he ran a D and D club at his school, and um, he was going around the, the different tables, and one of the tables he stopped at, and the kids were fighting a, a big old dragon in this really epic fight, and the teacher noticed that the kid that was the DM wasn't marking anything down when the players said they got a hit and how much damage they did. And so he waited for the, the uh, club to end, pulled the kids aside. He's like, Hey, I saw that you weren't writing anything down. Um, what was that? He's like, Oh yeah, I don't, I don't keep track of damage. And he goes, mm -hmm. 
how do you know when to when it's dead? And he goes, oh, when everybody stops having fun. <laughs> and that immediately made me think of uh, you with the, the when y'all did the narrative battle where no dice were rolled or anything like that but you still used the like action economy and stuff like that to tell the story of how they took down this dragon that would have just been like a two-turn thing Mm -hmm. and that made me really think about um uh like because there's a big there's a big stigma for dms of adding on hp to enemies oh yeah and it's like don't do that how dare you? They worked so hard for this. And I'm like, I'll be real. I did that. I've done that. Uh, and I did, like, the one time I specifically remember doing that was in Tomb of Annihilation during a really cool epic fight. They would have two-turned this thing, but they were having so much fun in this fight. And they were making plans for rounds down the line. It would have been too like, early. I'm like, this dude's staying up. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it, it wasn't going to ever end them. I kept it going because they were having fun fighting it. Yeah. Like, if the question is, how do you know, like, when you're rolling off the cuff, when you're not even keeping track of things, like, how do you know yeah. when to end it? It's honestly when it stops being fun. For me, I wanted out of that dragon fight to get that cinematic, like, Avengers moment where everyone did yeah. their part as a team. To take down this thing. Dun, 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 you know? Dun. It's like, I I didn't want to have the rogue go in there, sneak attack it, and then you're done and call it a day. I wanted the bard to go in there, like, hold it in place. I wanted the paladin to fly up, get it out of the bell. I wanted the artificer to put the cat in position and just, like, give it guiding bolts so the you, next you, person you know, would have advantage. And then the rogue come up. Just flying off of their broom down onto it from the ceiling, sneak attacking it. Like that, that kind of attack is way better than just round by round. Yeah. Also, anyone who doesn't know about your campaign, uh, uh, get the cat into position sounds like a weird code term. It does. It does. (laughs) (laughs) Get the cat into position. (laughs) What does that mean? My artificer Um, has a giant cat. His name is Simba. You know. (laughs) As you do. Yeah. Um. Yeah, no, I, I, I thought, like, that's not something I'm going to do at my table for every fight. No. Um, but I thought that was a really cool, well, especially coming from a kid. Oh, my God, yeah. And and just worrying about, like, it's um, it's just going until, especially for a club. I mean, you're not, you're not going to be there long. Like, clubs don't last that long in school. It's like lunch or yeah. like an hour after school. So getting at the most amount of fun out of it possible that's perfect i'm so happy for that kid for that kid Mm -hmm. doing that i mean like you're sitting down and playing a game sure but with D &D, kind of specifically 5e you're telling a story and like you and i both are like rule number one have fun (laughs) yeah yeah and if the game gets in the way of having fun then you know forego the game for a moment (laughs) (laughs) yeah no that's true uh, but yeah, I just wanted to bring that up really quick because I thought it, one, it was a cute little video and uh, I thought it'd be a little fun thing to talk about. I love that. That's that's very sweet. But I guess that's our episode, huh? I Look think that, that is. Mm-hmm. Holy wow, we're under an hour. <laughs> 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 well, that was our show for this week. 
If you enjoyed this podcast and want to support it, the best way to do that is by leaving a review on your service of choice, as well as telling your friends about the show. If you'd like your questions, advice, or stories read on the show, send them into difficultyclass at gmail.com. And if you stay, like to stay up to date on the show, you can follow us on Twitter at difficultyclass and also us individually on Twitter as well. Trevor, where can they find you? You can find me at the Trevor. There is an A hiding in there. Mm-hmm. And you can find me at Alleybug321 and also at Rumi Roamers. We're going to be getting our next episode up soon. <laughs> yeah. So until next week. Have a good game. Mm-hmm.